Now you think it's bad now in this time of lukewarmness. Once the church is gone, we're going to study it in this series. The restraining influence of the Spirit of God in the church will be removed. And so if on a scale of 1 to 10, a lost person is a 2, he'll be a 10. And if a lost person is 8 or 9, he'll be blown right off the charts. And that will be the perfect atmosphere when you have anarchy in a culture. You need someone who will lead, who will take over. And that's when the Antichrist will step in. Welcome to Search the Scriptures the Bible teaching ministry of Dr. Carl Brogy, Senior Pastor of Community Bible Church in Beaufort, South Carolina. Today is part three and the conclusion of Pastor Carl's sermon entitled, Lot's Day and Jesus' Return. There will be two types of people living on earth when Jesus returns. And as we listen to today's sermon, Pastor Carl asks everyone who is listening the simple question of, are you like Noah or are you like Lot? Let's listen to Pastor Carl now as he continues. Jot down this verse. This is important today. Deuteronomy 22, verse 5. There Moses wrote, A woman shall not wear a man's clothing, nor shall a man put on a woman's clothing. By the way, this verse assumes there's just two sexes. For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord your God. Now Moses is describing androgynous behavior sometimes referred to as gender dysphoria or gender fluidity or transgenderism. By the way, this is not a command prohibiting a a common garment that men and women alike would wear. This is a command about blurring the lines between the sexes. What we would call today transgenderism. We've just gotten more sophisticated as to how we unfold this truth. In Genesis 1.27, God said, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God gives clear evidence that people are either distinctively male or distinctively female. And understand, in God's economy, your gender follows your biology. So when our new Supreme Court justice is asked, what is a woman? And she can't answer it. This is a sick world. And when you have someone say, well, biologically I'm a man, but gender-wise I'm a female, that's a perversion. That's the day we are living in. And we may do this in a more sophisticated way than in Moses' day, where through surgery we cut up the body or through drugs, but the sin has not changed in some 4,000 years. And if you don't remember anything from this sermon, understand that transgender people can no more change their sex than they can their race. You cannot change it. And these doctors who are castrating 13-year-old boys and doing double mastectomies to 13-year-old girls are evil. 20 years ago, they would have been locked up in prison for child abuse. And now the President of the United States is heralding them. Listen, a doctor can manipulate your body, but you still have the same set of X and Y chromosomes that you were born with. It's not a mystery that gender is not fluid. That is a doctrine of demons. You cannot have a certain biology and another kind of gender, but that's what he wants to teach your children in public school. And they're starting early. You don't think your kids will be influenced? Get them out. 
Our president said this, and I quote, Affirming a transgender child's identity is one of the best things a parent, teacher, or doctor can do to help keep children from harm. And parents who love and affirm their children should be applauded and supported, not threatened, investigated, or stigmatized. As I told transgender Americans in my address yesterday, I will always have your back as your president so you can be yourself and reach your full God-given potential. Look, no one should ever harm a child. He's the one who's harming the children. You start feeding this garbage, these demonic doctrines to kids in first and second and third grade in the libraries in Buford County and in the public schools, even if a teacher is not himself or herself espousing them, all the kids have to do is to go in the libraries and see what these kids are getting. You start feeding that, the kid gets to be 13, he's going through puberty, maybe I'm a girl, maybe I'm a boy, maybe I should have my body operated on, maybe I should take some kind of puberty blockers. God in heaven is grieved. It's the worst kind of child abuse, both physically and spiritually. And Jesus warned in Mark chapter 9, whoever causes one of these little ones who believes to stumble, it would be better for him if with a heavy millstone hung around his neck, he'd be cast into the sea. The literal reading in Greek is idiomatic. If you have the New American Standard, the marginal notes, it doesn't say heavy millstone. The Greek literally reads, a millstone turned by a donkey. Because Jesus is underscoring the difference between a millstone that a woman would use in her house that was small to grind her flour versus a large millstone that would take a donkey to turn it. Drowning was a form of Roman execution, not a Jewish one. But he wants to underscore the seriousness of this sin. That it would be better to be drowned with a heavy millstone around your neck than to meet God because the next verse goes on to describe that those who are harming children will meet God in a place of eternal retribution lest they repent. Now, we may think we're smarter than God, but God says the wisdom of this world is foolishness. And it's foolishness to say that there's such a thing as gender fluidity. It's foolishness to say that the LGBTQIA lifestyle and however many other letters you want to add to it should be embraced and affirmed. God says in Psalm 139 that he knit you together in your mother's womb. God gave you the gender that you have. And these are filthy abominations that happened in Sodom and that are happening in America. But these folks won't take no for an answer. Look at verse 6. But Lot went out to them at the doorway, shut the door behind them and said, Please, my brothers, don't act wickedly. Lot has no business calling them brothers. These are unholy, sinful Sodomites. But he's so anesthetized and corrupted in his thinking and if you want to see just how much, look at verse 8. Now behold, I have two daughters who have not had relations with man. Please let me bring them out to you and do to them whatever you like. Only do nothing to these men inasmuch as they have come under the shelter of my roof. But these men don't want women. They want men. But they said, stand aside. 
Furthermore, they said, this one came as an alien. He's not one of us, and he's already acting like a judge. By saying he's acting like a judge is a clear indication that as a leader sitting in the gate, he had not before addressed this immoral and wicked lifestyle. And so when he does, they're shocked. This one came as an alien, already he's acting like a judge. Now we will treat you worse than them. So they pressed hard against Lot and came near to break the door. These men are persistent. They're so consumed with lust, they won't take no for an answer. And Lot is so corrupted, he thinks he's going to solve this angelic dilemma by doing something good, by giving his own two virgin daughters. Now understand, this just didn't happen overnight to this guy. This was a process. As I wrote in this chart, when he came... Genesis 13.10, he lifted his eyes towards Sodom. Then Genesis says he moved his tent as far as Sodom. Then in the next chapter, he was living in Sodom. Then in chapter 19, he's sitting in the gate of Sodom. And before we're done, we're going to see that when God is about to destroy the city, he hesitates over Sodom. It begins with friendship with the world's values. And before long, you're loving the things of the world. And that's where he's at. He came to Sodom. It looked attractive. It looked promising. It looked enticing. And that's what the devil does with sin. But when he's done with you, he'll chew you up and spit you out. That brings us to the third and final point. There's a warning from Lot's compromise. There's a warning from Lot's corruption. But there's a warning from Lot's calamity. Notice verse 10. And what these angels who came as males did. But the men reached out their hands and brought Lot into the house with them and shut the door. The Bible tells us that angels are physically stronger than we are. And so these angels who come as men open the door. They grab Lot and bring him in. And then God immediately strikes out through his angelic servants. And they struck the men who were at the doorway of the house with blindness, both small and great. Now, don't miss their reaction. That they wearied themselves trying to find the doorway. That's scary. They're physically blind. But they're clamoring to get in the house to satisfy their homosexual lusts. These are militant homosexuals. And you will see many of them walking in the streets with all of their perversions and all of their parades. But understand, they're not all like this. Like Jeffrey Dahmer. They say when you spoke to him, he seemed like the nicest guy in the world. But if you turned the wrong way, he'd strangle you to death. And some of the nicest people I've met in this world are homosexual people. Very pleasant people. And so after a while, he's a nice guy. She's a nice person. Maybe it's really not all that bad. And we are ignoring what God says. We are doing them an injustice. We are affirming that it's okay for them to live like they will, and they will spend an eternity in hell. Now, you think it's bad now in this time of lukewarmness. Once the church is gone, we're going to study it in this series. The restraining influence of the Spirit of God in the church will be removed. And so if on a scale of 1 to 10, a lost person is a 2, he'll be a 10. And if a lost person is 8 or 9, he'll be blown right off the charts. 
And that will be the perfect atmosphere when you have anarchy in a culture. You need someone who will lead, who will take over. And that's when the Antichrist will step in. Now look at what these two angels say to Lot in verse 12. Then the men said to Lot, Whom else have you here? A son-in-law and your sons and your daughters. And whomever else you have in the city, bring them out in the place. You read the text carefully of these chapters. He had sons, plural. He had daughters, plural. He had sons-in-laws, plural. For we are about to destroy this place because their outcry, there it is again, same Hebrew word, this distressing cry that is heard by God, their outcry has become so great before the Lord that the Lord has sent us to destroy it. And as we noted from Genesis 18 and verse 20, the outcry is so great, it finally tipped the scales where God is going to send his wrath. But old carnal Lord, he has little to no influence on his family. Look at verse 14. And Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law who were to marry his daughters and said, Up, get out of this place for the Lord will destroy the city. But he appeared to his sons-in-law to be jesting. They thought he was joking. Why? Because Lot had never seriously before exercised his spiritual leadership. And many times when a man is out of fellowship with God for years and then all of a sudden he wants to get something right, they don't listen. He has no spiritual authority. And if you're living in carnal ways, and you may be doing it in a way that is hidden, you think, well, nobody knows. My kids don't know. You will have no spiritual authority with them. Furthermore, and when morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, Up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city. But again, he, he's numbed by his carnal lifestyle. Look at verse 16. But he hesitated. The Hebrew word, maha, means to linger or to delay. He hesitated. So the men seized his hand and the hand of his wife and the hands of his two daughters for the compassion of the Lord was upon him. And they brought him out and put him outside the t city. His family, they're, they're just dilly-dallying. They have to be drugged out of the city. Maybe Lot's wife wanted to go in and get her jewelry. Maybe the daughters wanted to be suitably dressed. Maybe he wanted to go to get his bank book. But they're just dilly-dallying in the midst of great spiritual danger. And it came about, verse 17, when they had brought them outside, that one said, escape for your life. Do not look behind you. And do not stay anywhere in the valley. Escape to the mountains, lest you be swept away. But even Lot, he lacks a respect for real spiritual authority. He says, oh, no, my lords. He's doubting the direction that God is giving through these angelic messengers. Verse 19, now behold, your servant has found favor in your sight, and you have magnified your loving kindness, which you have shown me by saving my life. But I cannot escape to the mountains, lest the disaster overtake me and I die. Now behold, this town is near enough to flee to, and it is small. Please let me escape there. Is it not small? He's pointing to the town of Zoar, whose name means small, that my life may be saved. And he said to him, Behold, I grant you this request also, not to overthrow the town of which you have spoken. Hurry, escape there, for I cannot do anything until you arrive there. Therefore, the name of the town was called Zoar. I, I can't go where you want me to go. It's too far. He's probably a big fat man. Probably is. Way out of shape. Can't make it up to the mountains. Let me go over to Zohar. 
He's moving so slow, so argumentatively. He's dulled by sin. He's systematically destroyed his own life. Escape for your life. Don't look behind. Do not stay anywhere in the valley. Escape to the mountains lest you be swept away. Verses 23 and 24. The sun had risen over the earth when Lot came to Zoar. Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah, brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. It is so filled with sulfur and brimstone that God uses the Hebrew word rained. And he overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. It's a catastrophe. It's of monumental proportions only to be compared up till this point with the great flood, but won't even be compared to the coming tribulation period that will be far worse. And don't forget both Jude and Peter said that this mimics the lake of fire which burns with brimstone. Verse 26 is amazing. But his wife, from behind him, looked back. Remember, God said, don't look back. Looked back, and she became a pillar of salt. She ignored God's instructions. Why? Because her heart was still in the Twin Cities. So she looked back. And the Hebrew word that's used means she looked with a sense of longing. Now, I'm just going to read verses 27 to 38 with very little comment. I want you to see the historical record with his two daughters. Now, Abraham arose early in the morning and went to the place where he had stood before the Lord. And he looked down toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the valley. And he saw, and behold, the smoke of the land ascended like the smoke of a furnace. Thus it came about when God destroyed the cities of the valley that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overflow, overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot lived. Lot went up from Zoar and stayed in the mountains and his two daughters with him, for he was afraid to stay in Zoar. And he stayed in a cave, he and his two daughters. Then the firstborn said to the younger, Our father is old. And there is not a man on the earth to come into us after the manner. The, the, the Hebrew word direct means the way or the custom. There's no one to come into us after the custom of the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine and let us lie with him that we may preserve our family through our father. So they made their father drink wine that night and the firstborn went in and lay with their father and he did not know when she lay down or when she arose. And the following day, the firstborn said to the younger, behold, I lay last night with my father. Let us make him drink wine tonight also. Then you go in and lie with him that we may preserve our family through our father. So they made their father drink wine that night also. And the younger arose and lay with him, and he did not know when she lay down or when she arose. Thus both the daughters of Lot were with child by their father. The firstborn bore a son and called his name Moab. He is the father of the Moabites to this day. As for the younger, she bore a son and called his name Berami. He is the father of the sons of Ammon to this day. This is the choice they make. Instead of trusting God in his time to provide a husband, what do they do? They adopt a custom, a manner, a direct, which they no doubt saw for years in Sodom and maybe heard about in their own high school. And one becomes the father of the Moabites, and the other the father of the Ammonites, who if you know your biblical history, two of Israel's worst enemies. 
Three applications in the form of questions as we close. Stay with me. I'm preaching long. Stay with me. Number one, are you repeatedly exposing yourself to the world's sinful ways? That's the first question. Are you repeatedly exposing yourself to the world's sinful ways? If you are, then learn from the rest of the Bible that repeated exposure breaks down your resistance. We've seen these three stages, compromise, corruption, then calamity. And Satan knew that if he could get him to follow this course of action, that it would ultimately lend itself in drunkenness, debauchery, total destruction. And if you allow yourself to be in a place of temptation, and if you are putting your children under instruction that is anti-God and anti-Christ and anti-Bible, you're doing them a great disservice. This is why Paul, when he describes immorality, porneia, be it premarital sex, extramarital sex, perverted sex, he says, flee it. Just don't linger around it. Don't entertain yourself with it. Flee it. And so wisdom and discernment that you can only have as you walk with God, Hebrews 5 says, it will help you to think through, well, how do I, on the one hand, where God says, come out and be separate, and on the other hand, how do I go and preach the gospel? And those are the two balancing truths. God loves the people of this world. He loves Joe Biden. And I don't know if it's too late for Joe Biden. Only God knows, but he's lost. He's on his way towards hell, and he's taking millions of people with him. But God wants our president to be saved. And so it, it, it takes wisdom to know how to provide for your family, for your, for your wife to be a worker at home. That's God's ideal. My hat is off to a mother who has to work to help put food on the table. But that is not God's plan. Let's be very clear. An oikos ergos, a home worker. An impel ergos is a vine worker. Where does a vine worker work? In a vineyard. A geo ergos, geo, land or dirt. Where does a dirt worker work? On a farm. Where does a... Oikos Aragos work in her home. We need to be wise. Therefore, come out and be separate, says the Lord, and don't touch what is unclean and yet compassionate, because there go I by the grace of God, had God not rescued my life and given me the gospel. And we need dads who will take some leadership who will try to protect their children from evil and get up on Sunday morning and say, let's go to church and be around the dinner table. Let's open God's word and let's pray together. That's the kind of dads we need in our day. Second, I would ask, are you like Noah or are you like Lot? In Luke 17, Jesus said, And just as it happened in the days of Noah, so it shall be in the days of the Son of Man. And a few verses later says, It was the same as it happened in the days of Lot. They were eating, they were drinking, they were buying, they were selling, they were planning, they were building. But on the day that Lot went out from Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven, destroyed them all. It will be just the same on the day the Son of Man is revealed. On the day, on that day, let no one who is in the house stop and whose goods are in the house go down to take them away. And likewise, let no one who is in the field turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Think about before the great flood, just before God brought his wrath on the whole earth, what did he do? He put Noah and his family safely in the ark. And just before God poured his wrath out on Sodom, what did he do? 
He got Lot and at least the two daughters out of Sodom. And just before the Antichrist comes and God brings the tribulational wrath, what will he do? He'll remove his church by the rapture. Now please understand there are many implications. When Jesus comes, he says his return for the second coming that follows the rapture. But when you see the prophecies for the second coming unfold, you know the rapture is that much closer. He said it will be like the days of Noah and the days of Lot. The days of Noah, if you were here last week, were days of moral permissiveness and violence and lawlessness. And the days of Lot were days of moral perversion. And there will be two classes of people living on the earth when Jesus comes. There will be the Noah type who will represent the spirit-filled kind. He wasn't a perfect man, but he walked with God enough where he could influence his family. And all of them got on the ark. But on contrast to the Noah type, there'll be the Lot type. How did Lot go to the mountains? They had to drag him. He lost his sons. He lost his sons-in-law. He lost his wife. So what kind of person are you? Like Lot or like Noah? And then third, I would just ask, are you like Lot's wife? She really represents the class all on her own. And that's why Jesus said, remember Lot's wife. She had her heart in the world. She longed for what Sodom had to offer. And she turned into a pillar of assault. And she was lost for all of eternity. Jesus is coming just as sure as the flood came. Jesus is coming just as sure as God rained fire and brimstone out of Sodom. The Noah types will receive great reward. The Lot types will receive great regret. But the lot wife's kind, they will meet great wrath. You've got to choose. You cannot be neutral. Now, our Father, I thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for the patience of your people. And we've heard your word. And we know sometimes, as your word says, you give us what we ask for, but you send leanness into our souls. Help us not to be foolish, to reject what your word plainly says, to rationalize it and just do what most Christians are doing in an age when hearts are cold and lawlessness is increasing. I pray today, our Father, for the dads here. Thank you that we have hundreds of great dads who have found Christ, many, some who have come here, they've grown, they've matured, they're making wise and godly decisions for their family. May their tribe increase. I pray for the lot, lot kind of dads that need to repent and get things right. They may not be able to undo some things, but today they can go forward, help them to do that. And I pray for those who are like Lot's wife, who may be religious but lost. Help them to come to the Lord Jesus. Thank you that he came into the world to save sinners. Thank you that he saves transgender, homosexual, drunks, fornicators, adulterers, anyone, self-righteous people, that whosoever will may come, that whoever will call on his name will be saved. Help someone today to say, Lord Jesus, save me. We ask it in your name and for your glory. Amen. If you enjoyed today's message, you can order a CD or DVD copy by calling Search the Scriptures at 877-787-7478 and requesting program 
God's Prophetic Schedule 006. Don't forget that tomorrow, Pastor Carl's wife Audrey is in this time slot with her program for women, Mothering from the Heart. You can hear more of Audrey's messages on the Search of Scriptures app found on the iTunes and Google Play Store. Also, check out Audrey's podcast, Rare But Real, on Apple, Google, and Spotify podcast platforms. You can also listen to her podcast at searchthescriptures.org. We hope that you will join us next week as we continue to search the scriptures.